chaos comes, it's a chance to be initiated. You know, thinking that the United States and its ideas in church have come closest to reflecting reality is like thinking Iceland is the basketball capital of the world. It's actually a psychological disorder. F-O-M-O. Fear of missing out. When a man becomes who he was made to be by God, every day is adventure. This is the Ensons Podcast. Welcome back. We're trying to figure out some glitches in our studio, is what we're going to tell you. We've got lights, we've got cameras. I don't know that we're going to ever throw this up no, on you may never see it. the internet. And our hope is that you're not hearing anything out of the ordinary. But if you do... We're working on it. Yeah. This is like, <laughs> blame the fact that this is actually coming to you from the future. No. Here's the backstory. Earlier this week, I ducked out in the morning. Alan Arnold, who produces the Ransom Tart podcast, has this whole, I don't know if I would actually call it a side hustle, but he has content that he brings the world on the creative soul. It's truly amazing stuff. So I was shooting five extremely condensed sessions and having my mind blown. And he was talking about in the creative life, when you don't determine your goal for sure, the evil one will constantly switch it on you unto hmm. the extinguishing of the creative life of God that you carry. And so he'll go, if your goal is to write a book, your dream will have been just to hold a hard copy book that you wrote, but then he'll make it a bestseller and then he'll make it two bestsellers in a row. Like, and yes, your flesh will participate, but you're in a conflict. And so he just goes, your goal has to be that every day you create with the father, that you are not creating something for God, that you are creating something with God. And if you do that, Successful day, successful week, successful book. And it blew my mind. I never thought about those sort of increases as being the enemy. Um, I've always sort of assumed it's like me being a perfectionist, a closet perfectionist, as my wife has started calling me. Um, or like, isn't that totally valid? If you're going to like do something, you want to do it well. But I guess, I guess to Alan's point, like, or to his credit, the effect of it is that I end up not doing anything, right? Like as the pressure builds, I haven't written in, I don't know how long. I like, I, I definitely identify as a creative and a writer, but it's been a long time since anything that's happened. Right. And what it hit for me was... You know, our saying is initiation in the young man's soul. That's a good saying. And there's a danger baked in. I mean, I'd like to think that whatever your slogan is, there are advantages and risks to the ways that you frame your experience. Yeah. And our advantages are a young man's life can really just feel like you're in the wilderness, you're in the frontier, you're overwhelmed, everything's new. And just to go, yes, and that's great. That... Is a tremendous relief. Right. But I realize that I can start thinking 
that God is predominantly interested in my initiation or my maturity more than the aliveness of my heart with him. Yeah. Wow. I can see some of the implications of that. Um, but I almost don't want to jump there. I kind of want to like sit with that and go like, okay, how is that playing out? How is how is my reading of God that way true? I've been sharing some stories with guys in town over the summer because we've been trying to implement new family rhythms or fight for joy or take on new adventures. And I think pretty much everyone is familiar with the experience of that not going well. And if you want something good, you have to fight for it. If it's going to be a new rhythm, it's going to like be a disaster a little bit. Like we just went to the sand dunes as a family and there were snippets. They were awesome, but there was also screaming until two in the morning and we had the kids in the minivan and like, it just, it wasn't easy. And I think everyone's like super familiar with that kind of stuff. Right. Um, however, then that mentality of like, well, the father was there. God was interested in my maturity. Therefore, like I kind of have to grip my teeth and, and continue, but no, there wasn't a category of like, and then he's also interested in my heart feeling totally alive. Like I think he sort of was permissive in the beers I had when we got home because we'd sort of earned it. Right. It's, I mean, it's so subtle. So this last weekend I needed to change the brakes on my car. And so, and, you know, I've been looking for a window, looking for a window, and finally I go, okay, you know what? Timing's not great, but I'm going to get it done. And so I go around, and I, I don't know, brakes are not all that difficult to do, except there's getting one of the brake pads off of my rear caliper, because I have a drum-rotor combo. When I took off the wheel and saw it again, I just had this moment of, oh, I remember, I forgot about this. Oh, no. And how did I do this last time? And Mm -hmm. so I finally do them, and I take the car for a victory lap, and new brakes can squeak for a number of reasons. Victory lap meaning making sure you're not going to kill your family on the freeway. Yeah, exactly. That's a nice way of putting it. Does everything work? And they are squeaking way, way, way more than usual. (laughs) And so I go, okay, you know, Mm -hmm. the lifestyle of maturity, I'm a student, I'll do it again. And... uh. So I do them all again, and I, and I grease everything, and I make sure it's right, and then I finish my front brakes, and I look at the, I look at the driveway, and the, the springs for the pads are sitting there on the driveway, and it was just this, <sighs> okay, deck up the car, do it again, and it can look like, wow, there's like a guy who is, you know, into the <laughs> lifestyle of maturity, like look at it. Go slow. Go ahead and do it. But then there's no place for frustration. And there's no place for just the, the places in me that feel like, Father, mm-hmm. I feel so alone doing this. There's no place for them to have a voice when they're getting smothered under. Yeah. Be mature. Uh, I So I remember this is free association a little bit. 
but it makes me think of a conversation we had with dad, I don't know, years and years ago and how he felt like it was really important to model appropriate anger. Um, and I'm not saying he did that perfectly. Like I, um, I do remember it was a conversation. There was something he was thinking about because he was aware that like if appropriate, righteous, valid anger isn't modeled, isn't, isn't okay anywhere, then when you do feel any kind of anger, it's going to come out poorly. It's going to be messy. It's going to be typically on the road or against people or it's just all, all of these ways that it like, it does eke out. Um, so last night we had this arbor in our backyard and our youngest is over there rattling it as a one-year-old does. And he manages to just push off one of the horizontal braces of this like climbing lattice, um, which is, they've been destroying this piece for a while. That's not the point. The point is it now reveals eight rusty nails pointing out. And so I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm with it. I'm present. I'm like, I need to take care of these. So first I try hammering the, the wood back on and it doesn't work. Then I try hammering the nails like to just be flush and so they can't poke themselves. That doesn't work. Then I have to take a plier. We've got this nail remover. Didn't use that because it's still in the packaging. So I use these like heavy duty pliers to rip them out and ended up just like having it slip and my fingers just went down the wood and cut up and I'm like bleeding and have splinters. And I, just, I had this moment where I thought back to this conversation with dad about modeling these proper justified emotions. And I found myself being like, you need to smother this. You don't get to feel irritated. You don't get to feel tired. You don't get to feel overwhelmed. Though you are feeling all of those three things right now, the thing that is okay to feel is like a continued march towards being a better father. And it was like grit it up and keep going. And it was, I, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I was aware it was happening in the moment, right? Like kind of with the break thing, like it, it looked like I was keeping my anger and irritation and exhaustion in check, but internally it was all just like, those are just costs that we're building up. Yes. So what I have found is the belief in me that there are parts of my experience that I can't bring to God. And like anger, like lament. And it's really fascinating I because I go, how did that happen exactly? I think a lot of things, one, just in Christian culture, if you intersect with it at all, can really get in the way. And, and things like, God is good all the time, like rise to this reality and, <laughs> and just go like, oh, what do you, uh, I, and I'm aware that there's warfare and mm -hmm. I don't want to inadvertently ally with warfare. Wait, wait, can we pause? Why are we laughing about somebody saying that like God is good all the time type expression they would just throw out? I'm laughing because they don't sound like the characters in the Bible Meaning mm. what they're saying is true to the nature of God, but what the, but it's not true to the human heart. Um, and to go, everyone that you look at, what you have modeled is people who are really disappointed, people who are in pain, 
taking those things to God. And, you know, David is not concerned with, never say an untrue thing about God. God is good. David is, you have crushed and afflicted my soul. You have utterly abandoned me. And he's not getting the gospel smacked down. Like the Psalms are not like only ever. God is good. God is good. They're full of it. And they're full of these turns in his heart as he expresses his pain that go, and yet, you know, though my heart and my flesh may fail. Mm. And yet, right? But pick a character at random. I will give you the story of like Moses, uh, Joshua, on and on and on and on through the story. Their heart is taking a journey that they're not actually overlooking. Part of the learning curve right now is what does it look like to take your lament to God? Uh, what is in the way? Why don't I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and try, kind of try to go, when was the last time I, with confidence, knowing it was something that he wanted, went like, oh, really? You want my whole heart? Well, boom, here it is. Uh, yeah, right. I've had a shift over this year, um, which I think I've mentioned before. It was part of like the generosity podcast that we did, but it was a shift for me of going like, oh, I've been living out of, if anything is going to be poured into me, that's up to me. Like, yes, I have family and friends that care about me, but at the end of the day, they, they're not always seeing what I'm seeing. They're not always seeing my need. They're not always responding the best to it. They certainly try. Um, but I don't have the expectation that they're going to do it perfectly, which sounds nice. That's the nice version. And then it shifts into, but really it's up to me to like have any of that getting poured back in. But then if you were to press me in this conversation, be like, do you believe that God cares about the well-being of your heart and will not only provide situations for initiation, which isn't a messed up justification for you feeling fatherless, it's actual, like there are things that will be filling that need. I would also, I, I would say in addition to that, he is interested in my like wholeheartedness and he is going to lead me by still waters and restore my soul. Like that does sound amazing. But I also kind of, I don't yet know all that that looks like. I think I'm in a season where I, I'm, I want that to go from less spiritual download, whatever, like this like sort of light from heaven sort of happens and I wake up one morning and I'm like, wow, God totally restored me last night. And more into, oh, this is where he's inviting me. This is how he's going to tangibly do it. And I don't, that there's a gap there that back to your car story, like it feels like there's two kinds of people that work on, that there's two knowledge camps for cars. There is like the mechanic and the home mechanic where they just know everything and they know where every piece goes and they know all of the problems. And then there's the rest of us who have no idea what we're doing and there's no bridging that gap. That's actually how it feels for me in this world of like care and dimensions of what God's going to do. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm just aware right now that not knowing 
how to bring anger, pain, disappointment to God is in the way of experiencing God as Father. Because, right, the effect of this is, if you don't know how to do these things and you're not sure what to do, I just have to regulate my experience and go, this part, I'm going to live out of. This part, I'm not going to engage so much. This part, I'm going to take to God. This thing, I don't know if I trust it or I don't know if, like, it's... (laughs) So it's called compartmentalizing. I compartmentalize. But then... I think this is fascinating. It's fascinating to look at. Uh, we're just going to do like a an ultra fast grab bag of what people who have experienced great things with God tend to act like. Uh, this is so. Let's just hit a few. I'm starting with the easy ones so we can get out of the way. Job, good grief. Job three. It's like I'm sorry. Were you doing good examples here? Um, it is. What does a person look like who is lamenting, and yet God is present to them? Right? Oh, who they're oh, like walking okay. with. So got you it, go like yeah. you know Job's classic, arguably one of the better poems in the Bible. Let the day perish when I was born. You're like ooh, and the night which said a boy is conceived. <laughs> like yeah, some movie oh, stuff. That's intense, but. Let's look at Jeremiah 15. Why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? You are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. Uh, And you have the prophet Jeremiah mm. on behalf of the people going, you are calling God deceptive. And this is the guy whose collection of sermons exalts God. as like, he's not, you can trust him, return to him. Like God is patiently present answering him going like, change your mind, turn to me. I will restore you. Oh my gosh. Let this people turn to you. Don't be like them. All right, we're going to keep going. Uh, most of the minor prophets are these complaints of the people and then God's response. So, yeah, like Malachi being one that we've talked about before is this kind of back and forth. Uh, totally remember that. <laughs> Habakkuk, Habakkuk, however you say it, uh, it's complaint, answer, complaint, answer, and it just goes. I'm sorry. This is a this is a form of dialogue that is modeled in the Bible. Uh, how about this, Lord? Are you not? everlasting, my God, you who never die, you who, Lord, appoint the rulers to execute judgment. Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up the righteous? You have made people like the fish of the sea, like creatures with no ruler. The wicked pulls them with hooks. He catches them in his nets. He gathers them. Is he to keep emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Whoa. My Bible reading patterns have me hear that and go, yep, right, lamentation, I get it. But isn't the point of those like to be corrected? Isn't the point of those to have like a quick shift to, but you are good, or even still, you save me, or even though I'm going to die, if you do not save me, 
you are still like all of those things. Like, isn't that, that's totally my, my type of reading. Uh, maybe. And that could be one part that keys up. Here's an interesting one uh, that kind of answers that question. So in the middle of uh, First Kings, it's, if you've never listened to the history books of the Bible, if you've never listened to the history books of the Bible uh, or read them in order, it's vital. It's so fascinating when people show up. The history books of the Bible? Yeah, sort of. So start with Judges, uh, read Ruth, which was originally part of the book of Judges, and then go into First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and like look for when David enters the story. Hmm. Elijah and Elisha, they show up truly in the middle of nowhere in the in you know the kingdom period where there you have just like line after line of destructive evil kings and then all of a sudden Elijah and his famous showdown happens at Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal rain god yeah, uh, you right. know where fire comes down and then Elijah arguably personally um Kind of depends how you read the story. Kills kills them with a sword. That's <laughs> um, definitely how I would read it. Uh, so the prophets of Baal have been slaughtered. The people are sort of agitated and up in arms against the <laughs> wicked king Ahab. And Ahab tells Jezebel what happened. Uh, and Jezebel sends people out and is like, take Elijah a message. Uh, like, and just may the gods deal with me severely if I don't do the same to you. Um, so Elijah runs for his life. He's in the desert and listen to this. So she says that Elijah runs, uh, he's in the wilderness and he goes, I have had enough Yahweh take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors where I go. You saw the fire of God break out of heaven. You prayed and a storm came. You've seen the power of God and your thing is, I've had enough. I'm no better than my ancestors. Where are you? Uh, then he laid down and fell asleep. And then, <laughs> get this. Uh, then this character, the angel of the Lord shows up. Uh -huh. Great argument that that's pre-incarnation Jesus. Um, uh, more Bible project references. That's right. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. Uh, the angel of the Lord came back second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. The journey is too much for you. I like straight up didn't know why I was so emotional when I read that for the first time. And so he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by the food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb. <laughs> uh, but you go lament and he doesn't skip it. It is unto the encounter with God. It's actually unto being nourished by God. And yes, there are times when like the response is, rise above, proclaim the gospel to yourself, believe, break agreements. And anything that you turn into a rule becomes idolatrous because it sits in God's seat in your life. And versus going, that might be it. You may need to look at your emotions and rise above them. 
or you may need to bring your anger to God to the point we're actually going like, where the F were you? You actually start to go, oh, you're still here. Oh, actually, and you have been here. Um, but like, here's the crazy thing is that God wants to bring that understanding to me. And, and what it's like, what do I think is going to be like, F you, where have you been? Jesus is going to be like, oh, I had no idea you felt that way. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay. So that story, I think we're used to hearing stories of lament or difficulty of the greats. And it does let a little of the steam off. Like it does give you permission when Mother Teresa's journals were made public and people were like, oh my gosh, she wrestled so regularly with not hearing the voice of God, but still chose to persevere. And you're like, that makes her story amazing and heartbreaking. And shouldn't she have heard the voice of God? But it, it makes it feel like surely I, who am so much less along the journey of greatness. So a prophet who's bringing down fire and slaying uh, false prophets and false priests, you're like, wow, okay. So like, definitely this guy is going to be super clear about who he is and who God is. And he's like, no, my life is threatened. You're, you're kind of the worst God. You're like, wow, okay. So I feel some permission. But that isn't the point of the story. The point of the story is how God responds to it, which is really like so, so good here that it's not a, I'm disappointed with you for not being steadfast. I'm disappointed with you for having it be hard. I'm disappointed with you for having this lament with me. It's like, yeah, I know it's too much. And here is a place of nourishment, rest, and then, yes, now we need to continue to get you to safety in that particular story. Of course, Jesus isn't going to be like, oh, I had no idea. You, you were totally pissed at me this whole time, and that, which is why I was laughing back to that um, God is good all the time chuckle that we were having. Like I knew some college friends who who would walk around campus and say that to each other. And I was like, in the moment when I'd watch it happen, I, I internally kind of thinking, we just had a conversation on the beach two days ago and I, I know that you are furious with God and you don't know if you believe in him or not. And your family is completely falling apart. Is this bravado? Is this actually helpful for you to just kind of put that out there? Like, yes, he is, but actually what you're accomplishing in this moment is you're leaving your heart behind and, and that really is part of the theme of today is that piece of, are we getting in a place of the rule is initiation? It's always about growth and the next thing at the cost of the other places of your heart. The question comes to me this way, like to the friends on campus saying God is good, going, do you think God is more interested in you obeying him or loving him? is more interested in you exalting him or loving him. Yeah, right, right. And this isn't to say that we, like, there aren't people that can say that, like, that we don't question when people throw out that phrase. We are, we're thinking of 
people we knew and we had some idea of what was going on behind the scenes and some of the quite literal, oh, you know, slap my face, kind of like roll the shoulders. God is good. And you're like, I don't, I think what you actually need is antidepressant. And I don't think what you just did accomplished that. But I'm glad that you are trying something. It's amazing. And I think part of the current invitation is, what does it look like to bring everything in your experience to God, to bring every part of your heart to God? And like, well, you actually have lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of models of that. Like you have Jesus himself and you have Gethsemane and you have his citation of Psalm 22 on the cross. Like you have models that you can write lamentations, that you can rehearse lamentations, that like, you can go through Psalm 22 and go like, and and to not be surprised when, you know, I'm a year out from a couple losses that in them, it felt like, wow, God, you're just so here. Um, and recently what's kind of coming up is this, where are you? And I go, oh, all of my heart did not feel like God was present. There were places that were affected that I was not aware of. And now God wants those too. Therefore, to go ahead and bring to him and go, okay, you want it. And and this isn't going to result in like some blow up fight where God's going to angrily defend himself. And he has the heart of a bruised reed. He won't break a dying candle. He won't put out like, take it to me. He's not going to be surprised. He's going to have place for it. And like, um, and your heart can actually experience oh, you were there. So the rest of that Elijah story is because it goes on. It's great where he goes to Mount Horeb, you know, the, he's sleeping in a cave and um, God comes and goes, what are you doing here, Elijah? Uh, and he just answers, I have been zealous and the people have rejected your covenant. They've destroyed your altars. They, they have killed the prophets of the Lord where their death was ordered by Jezebel. Like, so all of Elijah's friends, he's seen executed. He's like, they've killed your people. Now they're trying to kill me. Uh, and then he goes like, oh, go here unto an experience with me. Go to the mountain of the Lord. You'll see, I, I will be there with you. And then there's that famous, like, there was a fire, but he wasn't in the fire. And there was an earthquake, but he wasn't in the earthquake. Yeah, right. And then there was a still small voice. And what the still small voice asks is the same question. What are you doing here? Like, hmm. there's this encounter with God. And then there's a deeper encounter with God. And, like, Elijah does the same complaint and, like, actually finds his heart met and held by God. And only after that does God give him his next set of instructions and is like, okay, the throwdown is about to start. Are you ready? Okay. So enter a huge weight on your understanding of the personality and the heart of God, because that question, what are you doing here? Uh, harkens to the same question of Adam, where are you? Harkens to many of the questions how you interpret that question being asked, the tone completely changes the story. If it's stern and disappointed, like if you are someone who struggles with uh, 
disappointing other people and needing to be perfect, you might read that with that tone of voice that God is, what are you doing here? And then again, the still small voice comes in with the accusation, what are you doing here? But if instead the the tone is caring and kind and the way that I might ask my daughter again, how she's doing, why she's hiding in a place, why she need, like that actually is inviting and calling out more of like, tell me the story, help me understand. Like you can, you can name why you are here. You can put words to it. I am big enough. I can handle it. I can handle all of your disappointment. I can handle all of your pain. I can handle all of the ways that you don't feel cared for. And you bringing them to me is actually something I intended, something that I want. That's not you being a failure. That's not you being less than. It's like, oh, okay. Um, there are probably some solo times needed where whether it's journaling or even just spoken to the forest I, we, you listening, like maybe put some words to that. Maybe, maybe actually go there and have this be one of those things of if I'm completely honest and I totally believe that whatever I accuse God of, he is perfectly capable of handling and addressing. What would I, what would I put words to that I think I've been trying to hold on his behalf? It could be anger, it could be disappointment, probably both probably a multitude of things. Yeah, the invitation. What I, th- I think Psalm 22, such a good one to go through, or 139, of what does it look like to operate in view of the reality that the Father wants your whole heart? And he wants it to know him, and he wants it to be alive, and he wants it to be in union with him and go, oh, that's the goal, and that gives permission to these places that are coming up that are hurt. Oh, you have like resources for like, like anguish and, you know, Psalm 22, which begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. Uh, Why are you so far from me? All down, 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 verse, 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 verse. It's a long one. Like, you know, I don't know, 26 verses of like, this is over. Uh, The final stanza is unbelievable. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before them. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Of just this, like, you're understanding the psalmist here is getting to this point of, oh, we can't sustain ourselves. And and we're all going to you. Like, uh, we will proclaim your righteousness. The last lines are, he has done it. This is a heart that in pain has su- has worked to the point of realizing like, oh my gosh, you've done it, God, which is something that you cannot get by skipping that process. Hmm. It actually sounds like uh, a roadmap for <laughs> counseling. <laughs> like if you were to have a conversation with someone and they're just trying to process an event with you. They're like, I had this really traumatizing thing I've experienced. If it's just a single thing, and obviously our lives are made up of millions of these moments, 
you'd be like, you don't get to just skip the processing of it. You don't get to be like, wow, almost got in a car accident, did get in a car accident, didn't get hurt, did get hurt. And now like, I'm just going to try and do the takeaway. Like we really, we do want the takeaway without the process. And I think if you're having a conversation with a friend, you'd be like, no, 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 you actually, to experience the healing, you have to walk through all of your experience, all of the, I felt super vulnerable. I felt really afraid. I felt totally out of control. And then I felt really angry that this was happening to me. And I felt really abandoned. And then I had all this disappointment for the future and this overwhelmed of like how I was going to take care of myself or fix these things and financially. And since then, I think I felt really cautious and not really able to. You're like, you naming these things is actually a huge part of your healing and your processing and your journey that you get to a place. You don't get to like (sighs) slap some God is good over the whole thing, like a bandaid and expect it to be fine. And so, oh, really glad that you're like pointing out this happening in the Psalm of name it, name the pain, name it again, name it again, name it like all of it. Because through it, if you are inviting God into it, then actually some good will come and you can get to a place genuinely of like, oh, I'm being cared for here. But again, like I would say, be super careful with what your goal is. Is your goal to like name the pain so you can quickly get through it so you can get back to, ah, this is another place of initiation. There's another place where like I'm battening down the hatches. I'm going to be like so much stronger here now that I've been broken. Or I saw that like, Japanese art where you put like gold in where it's been shattered. Yeah, right. Like, so (laughs) the goal there is the final product. Again, I would ask, like, do you think you are worth taking the time in the process? Is your heart, is your story worth taking the time to name all those things? Do you get to take each one of them to God? And if you don't feel like that's the case, why? Man, it's profound. The questions I would add to that list are kind of the, do I believe, do you believe, do I believe that the goal of this season is actually to love a life with the Father? Do I think that his goal is to be with me? Do I think that that's his goal? And do I think that the things that are disappointing or difficult to me, do I think He's actually concerned in that and not just mature, son, this shouldn't be an issue, but that its effect on me is something that matters to God's heart. 